You're listening to Sermon Audio from Waynesboro Grace. Our mission is to glorify God by making disciples making disciples. For more information about our church, you can find us online at waynesborograce.org or on Facebook at Waynesboro Grace. Hope you enjoyed your long weekend last week. It's just always good to start the week with that three-day weekend. Uh, but the the reality of that weekend uh, is one of significance for us, and just Memorial Day and remembering those who have served our country. And so, I also hope you had an opportunity and took the opportunity to thank someone who has served, um, perhaps in in particular, someone who's lost a loved one due to service. Those men and women who put on a uniform uh, are to be commended and to receive our gratitude along with their families. And so I, I trust you did that and uh, enjoyed your weekend along the way. Uh, but last week we thought about what it looked like for you and I to plant gospel seed. And Jesus, in the beginning of Matthew 13, says that we are sowers. If we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus, if we've surrendered to him as Lord of our lives, if we've repented and believed in the gospel, we now become seed sowers. And what it is that we sow is the gospel. And we thought about that parable in two different ways in particular. One, first, just as a point of reflection about our own hearts, about our own soils, and then secondly, about us as seed sowers and the different responses that we should expect as we sow seed. This morning, we're going to look at the other parable that comes right after this one that Jesus gives. It's not the only parable in Matthew 13, but it is the other one that is extended in length and gives a, and has an extended explanation to it as well and it's the parable of the weeds and here's the big idea in this parable you and I are planted as gospel seed in the first parable the parable of the soil you and I plant gospel seed in this one that we'll look at together this morning we're the seed that is planted we're going to Try to unpack that and understand that a little further as we go. But as we just think about it, just as a reminder regarding what parables are, I just want to quote Danny Aiken again because it was just a helpful way to summarize. Parables provide insight into the nature, coming, growth, and consummation of the kingdom of God. They give us pictures that the kingdom is at hand. So Jesus is giving us another picture. And as we wrap up this series together this week of looking at different roots, here we are again, something that is planted. And there's some good things, important things for us to see and note and understand. So let's pray together before we go any further. God in heaven, thank you for this morning the opportunity to gather. Thank you for your word. 
God, as Jesus will say again in this passage, he who has ears, let him hear. God, we pray that we would have ears, that we would hear, that we would understand, that we would be able to comprehend what it is that you want us to know. And so God, as we, as we pray and as we prepare, God, help us to understand. Help us to understand what it is that you have said and how it is that you have planted us as gospel seed. And we pray this in the good name of Jesus. Amen. Well, look with me at verse 24 of Matthew chapter 13. And as we did last week, I'm just going to read the parable in its entirety and then we'll spend our, our time in the explanation. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, And do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No. Lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first. And bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. It's in verse 36 then that Jesus gives the explanation of this parable. And as we noted last week, we have the benefit of Jesus not just giving this parable that teaches and gives us pictures of the kingdom, but we have an explanation as well. And Jesus left the crowds, verse 36, he went into the house and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And there Jesus answered. The interpretation that Jesus gives outlines eight different aspects to this parable of the weeds. The first is the man who sows. And Jesus says, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. And that was Jesus' favorite designation of himself. We should understand Jesus to say, the one who sows is me. Jesus is saying, I am the one who sows. The second aspect is the field. And Jesus tells us what the field is. The field is the world. The third is the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Now, hold on right there. Did you catch it? 
I know I hinted at it in the beginning, but did you catch it here? The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. Jesus is the seed sower. The field where the seed is sown is the world. And the good seed, what Jesus is sowing, is the sons of the kingdom. That's you and I. Jesus sows you and I as seed. We like to talk about that as Christ-centered witness. We have been called to be Christ-centered witnesses. It's one of the four main aspects of our vision as a church. See, we believe God has called us to glorify Him by being disciple-making disciples and that we do that through Christ-centered worship, Christ-centered serving, Christ-centered community, and Christ-centered witness. And we've tried to unpack what Christ-centered witness means and have just tried to acknowledge that you and I, if we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus, we're a follower of Jesus, have been placed in a mission field. And we believe that all followers of Jesus have been placed in a mission field by Jesus. We have been planted to love, serve, and share with others the good news of the gospel. While God may call us one day to go to Africa, fill in whatever country you want there. Fill in whatever city you want there. He has called you today to be salt and light for him where you already are. You and I are planted as gospel seed. God planted my family at 353 South Church Street as gospel seed. Before that, he had planted us at 250 Philadelphia Avenue as gospel seed. Before that, he had planted us at 1623 East Clark Street as gospel seed. Before that, he had planted my wife and I at 200 200 Seminary Drive, Winona Lake, Indiana, apartment three down at Lamppost as gospel seed. Really, the only thing that grew down at Lamppost was mold, but that's a different story. He planted us, and he's planted you right where you are. Your job is a mission field. Your sports team is a mission field. Your your choir group, your, your band group, the people you meet at the park, the moms you hang out with the dads you pal around with, whatever it might be, wherever it might be, and whomever it might be with, you have been planted as good seed for the gospel. You are a missionary. And you are because Jesus has planted you there. But Jesus says it's not just good seed that gets planted. There's an enemy who plants weeds. Some translations are going to say tares, T-A-R-E-S. And what happened when the tares were planted along with the wheat in verse 26, the grain came up 
the weeds came up as well. In verse 27, the servants of the master came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed? Then how does the field have weeds? Well, Jesus begins to answer some of those questions in the interpretation as well. And the fourth aspect is that the weeds are the sons of the evil one. And here's, there's, there's a contrast given to us. That there's sons of the kingdom and sons of the evil one. And one is planted by Jesus and one is planted by the evil one who's an enemy. The fifth aspect is who the enemy is. The enemy who sowed them, Jesus says, is the devil. Last week we, we looked at and thought about how there is a spiritual battle raging behind the gospel proclamation. It's part of what we need to understand as we are sowing seed. It's part of what we need to understand as we are the seed sown to bear fruit for the gospel. It's that the God of this world has blinded the minds and the eyes of unbelievers so that they can't see and understand Jesus. What this means is that your unbelieving friends are going to act like unbelievers. And you shouldn't expect them to act like anything else. You've been called to sow gospel seed. You've been planted in their lives as gospel seed. We've been told, commanded to pray. We pray that the Holy Spirit would remove that veil that the God of this world has blinded them with, that they may see and know and understand who Jesus is and trust him. But here again, the reality of the spiritual battle communicated in the teaching of Jesus. The sixth aspect of this parable is the harvest. And Jesus says the harvest is the close of the age and the reapers of the harvest are angels. And there if we go back to the parable in response to his servants where Jesus answered their question do you want us to go out and gather them he said no don't just pull out the good seed we're going to let them both be there because in gathering the weeds you may root up the wheat let them both grow together until the harvest and at harvest time I will tell the reapers gather the weeds first and bind them into bundles to be burned and gather the wheat into my barn. Here Jesus says the harvest is the close of the age. This is when the gathering or the separating takes place. And the reapers are the angels. In verse 40 Jesus continues, Just as weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Elsewhere Jesus uses that form of description and those words in association with the word hell. And He will instruct the reapers to grab and gather And that will be where the weeds 
go. And in some ways, this answers a question that God's people have for a long time asked and cried out to him regarding. And just this morning, actually, I was reading in the book of Psalms, not one of the Psalms we'll begin walking through next week, but it was Psalm 74, the second Psalm of book three in the Psalter. So a couple of years from now, we'll do another summer in the Psalms and we'll do book three together. And there, God's people cry out, Oh God, why do you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pastor? Remember the congregation which you have purchased of old, which you redeemed to be your tribe and your heritage. Remember Mount Zion where you have dwelt. Direct your steps to the perpetual ruins. The enemy has destroyed everything in the sanctuary. God, where are you? The weeds seem pretty tall right now. Well, in verses 4 to 8, the description of what God's people were experiencing there continues. Your foes have roared in the midst of your meeting place. They set up their own signs for signs. They were like those who swing axes in the forest of trees. All its carved wood they broke down with hatchets and hammers. They set your sanctuary on fire. They profaned, profaned the dwelling place of your name, bringing it down to the ground. They said to themselves, we will utterly subdue them. They burned all of the meeting places of God in the land. What the psalmist is picturing in Psalm 74 and, and what he's writing about was when the temple gets destroyed. And all of the wood that the temple had been created and built with is destroyed with hatchets and axes. They set it on fire. They just wonder, God, where where are you? Where are you? It was a question the the servants were asking along the way. God, God, why are you going to let this go? Why are you going to let the weeds and the wheat Hang out together. In some ways, that question reflects a correct impulse for a world without sin and sickness and death. But there's only one person who gets to set the time scale of when that world comes about. And the eighth aspect of this parable is the judge. The Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom. Notice whose kingdom it is. It's the Son of Man's kingdom. It's the kingdom of Jesus. All causes of sin and law breakers. And there will be the judgment. Verse 43 says, The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Here's what I want us to understand and take away from this parable. And we're not going to go nearly as long today as normal. You and I have been planted as gospel seed. We've been planted to grow and to bear fruit. We've been planted that that fruit would have a hundredfold increase or 60-fold increase or 30-fold increase, that there would be fruitfulness. But here in this parable, there's also an explanation 
of why the world is the way it is and what the plan of the master is. And so I want us to see that we are not the ones with the authority to execute judgment. How often do Christians get the, the, the name moniker of judgmental? Quite a bit. In this parable, we're not the ones judging. The Son of Man is the one judging. It, it bears and recalls to mind something that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 where he says, I, I wrote to you in my letter to not associate with sexually immoral people. And not at all meaning the sexually immoral of the world or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. Then you would have to go out of the world. But I'm writing to you not to associate anyone who bears the name of brother if he's guilty and he list several of the things he did just a verse before. I always find it fascinating that Paul is saying um, if, if you weren't supposed to associate with the sexually immoral or the greedy or the swindlers or the idolaters um, who, who don't love Jesus um, you'd have to go out of the world. See the other, the other way to understand that is that Paul's saying look no you, you're supposed to be there. You're supposed to engage as salt and light. You're supposed to engage as seed that is planted. Now, as we engage, we've got to do so in ways that, that, that guard us. As he'll say later in 1 Corinthians 16, I believe it is, that bad company corrupts good character. So we've got to do that carefully. But he's saying, look, no, no, you guys have this whole thing backwards. And he actually said that you need to actually judge the person in the church that says with their mouths they love and follow Jesus, and yet their actions and lifestyle communicate something incredibly or entirely different. As it relates to the unbelievers that we work around, that we live around, that we shop around, that you're on a ball team with, wherever it might be. We're not the ones with authority to execute judgment. That's the Son of Man. We're called to be salt and light. As I said earlier, expect your non-believing friends to act like non-believers. Expect them to have different worldviews. Expect them to have different priorities. Expect them to have different behaviors. Expect them to have different thoughts, to watch different movies, to listen to different music. Just expect it. Be on guard. Know that those things might give opportunity for your flesh to have some desires that are going to be contrary to the Spirit. But be on guard. But recognize that you've been planted as gospel seed. to be the herald of hope in their lives, to tell them about Jesus. And if not you, who else? You've been planted. You are a Christ-centered witness. Not the missionary that we support only. 
man, I remember when this was kind of forged deep in my convictions. And it was back in 2006, and we were visiting some churches with Operation Barnabas in the state of California. And we visited one church that wanted and was so excited to tell us, to, to tell our leadership and our, and our OB team all about their missions work. We were excited to hear about it. Their missions work. And I kid you not, and I'm not trying to overstate this for effect, I kid you not, their missions work only comprised of, and this is exactly what this guy said, we send money to the missionary who lives overseas. Like, what are you doing in your community? Nothing. We send money to the missionary who lives overseas. Praise God for money that's getting sent to missionaries that live overseas. You and I are missionaries. I'm a missionary in Waynesboro. I'm a missionary on Church Street. You're a missionary where God has planted you to love and to serve and to share with others the good news of the gospel. There will be weeds that grow up alongside of us. Some might be a little bit more easy to identify than others. But we share, we pray, and we recognize that we've been planted. And this is one of the ways that Jesus calls us to obey. We walk in obedience to be the heralds of hope that he's called us to be. Let's pray. God, we ask that you'd help us to be those heralds of hope. That we would let our light shine before all men, that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. That we would walk in wisdom before outsiders, making the most and best use of the time, that our speech would be seasoned with salt and we would know how to give an answer. God, may we be those who make disciples. God, that includes both the proclamation of the gospel and the the invitation to repent and believe in the gospel and the teaching them everything I have commanded you to obey. God, help us to do this well. You've planted us as witnesses. Help us to do that well. And we pray this in Jesus' good name. Amen.